Hello everyone and welcome to the 2017 After Thanksgiving After Show. It's the the show that's after Thanksgiving. So belly up to the bar, put down your slices of bread, let's pile up the turkey, stuff in the stuffing, put some cranberry sauce on top of it all, and let us enjoy our Thanksgiving leftovers. This is actually probably going to come out in December, so, uh, maybe don't keep eating your <laughs> leftovers. I'm not sure if they're still good. We're, we have recorded this right after Thanksgiving, so we're still living large on that turkey and stuffing. Let me introduce you to our lovely show members today. And let's get the show on the... Actually, let's not get it on the road. I ate too much. I'm so full. Let's just lay on the sofa. With us in this charming after show is myself, your moderator for tonight, Sarah. Who else is joining us? I didn't know I was in on this. Of course you're in on this. I'm... I'm Mariah. She's Mariah. Hi, I'm Harrison. I'm here. Yeah. I'm I'm always I'm always around. You may not see him, but he's always there, hiding behind the turkey. It's true. Yeah, good times. Yeah. So, uh tonight we decided that we are going to talk about Native American accomplishments. Uh because this is Thanksgiving, uh for those of you who may not be American, we are aware that not all of our audience is. Thanksgiving is a day of gratitude in which we eat too much and watch football. And it, it kind of started, the sort of origin story that we're taught in schools is that the pilgrims came over. They were horrifically underprepared. They started eating their shoes because they were super hungry. And the Native Americans rolled up and were like, hey, let me show you how to eat things other than your shoes. And then they saved them and there was a big feast. And Squanto was part of that. So shout out, Squanto's legit. Also his name. For idiots like me, Reader's Digest version, who's Squanto? Uh, Squanto was a Native American guy who was really instrumental in setting up positive and peaceful relations between various tribes and the pilgrims. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, they always say in books that he taught the pilgrims that if you put a fish and then plant a seed on top of the fish in the ground, that it will grow into a good thing. Um, I'm not sure if he actually did that or they were just like, we only know his name. Um, so he's the one who taught the fish trick. Sounds like what we do with history. Yeah. American history! Da-da-da-da! Okay. Mm. We're also going to talk about things to do in the holidays. Because generally speaking, you get a big old holiday break in the winter time, Whether or not it's Christmas or Yule or just plain being snowed in. We're going to talk about some really great movies you can read. Some really great... I just said really great movies to read. Great <laughs> movies to read, excellent books to watch, uh, some some music to feel, 
some feelings to listen to. Um, and we'll go from there. So, Harry, I understand this is your first foray into Native American history. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's been enough where growing up in Southern California, um, you, you take a lot of time learning Native American history. Um, but I'll admit, it's one of those things that pretty early on, I realized that I was not the biggest fan. And so probably the worst thing to do i was kind of like you know i understand this is a poor situation i'll do what i can to help when i can but i just really haven't looked too much into it and so i gotta say it's uh not a good time this in america gets to be kind of a tense discussion um for those of you non-americans Thanksgiving is the time when all of the relatives sit around the dinner table and argue with each other about which history is true and which politics are best. So in that spirit, we're going to be a little bit controversial. I mean, I got the basic history course growing up. I, I learned a lot about Native American history growing up because of, of where I grew up, um, which I may have mentioned before, but I'm not sure if I did. And then that was all I got out of it. And because I'm just perverse like that, immediately I wanted to go and learn everything about everything. And so I did. So, like, I know some history stuff. I don't know everything about everything. Because there's all of the tribes. There are very many. There are lots of nations, lots of peoples, lots of tribes. And so you can't learn everything about everything. But I'm, I'm quite interested in what I did learn. I focused more on reading and languages because that's more of my interest. I'm a big literature nerd. What was it that you researched, Terry? Well, I think the, the first thing I was doing was uh, I wanted to research accomplishments of Native Americans just to kind of talk about, hey, throughout history, here are some really cool things that have been accomplished by Native Americans. And very quickly in my research, um, just going to, to Google, just very basic, like, accomplishments of Native American peoples. Uh, and, like, the third or fourth article was a very strange article because it was, like, super positive and upbeat. Like, hey, look, this really cool thing in history keeps happening. Essentially, back in the day with King Charles II, there was a peace treaty in... Uh, state of Virginia that basically said that the tribes had to pay at the time it was 20 beaver skins tribute to the governor of Virginia and turns out that that is still kept in force today so going as far or going as far forward as 2015 there's images and videos of some of these tribesmen bringing just dead deer up to the governor's mansion Hooray, America. <laughs> I feel like I should have, I don't know. You're not always prepared for what you're going to get looking into it. Um, sorry, I didn't give you more forewarning, but yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I, I kind of knew a lot of the stuff as it was like growing up, getting to drive around a lot. Uh, we drove around a lot in like New Mexico and seeing some of the reservations there, it is really sad. And so there was a lot of the 
those injustices that I was aware of. But like, there's something really humiliating about having to pay tribute to a governor in the year 2015. Well, 2017 now. So any so, other accomplishments you want to talk about? You know, I'll, I'll be honest. Like, the first thing I found um, as I was going through this was the accomplishment of... Uh, it was it was weird. So there was a, a couple groups. And so the first couple things were websites of groups that were fighting for Native American rights. And so they talked about their accomplishments. And it was honestly before there was really anything about accomplishments of those who are Native American was this article. And I'll be honest, it really did put me off. Like, yeah, kind of like, you know what? I'm, ugh, this is not good. So I'll admit, I did not nearly get as far into my research as I would have liked to, because I'm like, if this is going to be what comes up for accomplishments of the Native American people, I kind of don't really care to look into this at the moment. Yeah, white. It's not find better sources. Yeah, white people get really weird about Native individuals like during the whole South Dakota pipeline event um, when the protests were still going on because they warned the oil companies that there would be a leak a leak hey guess what oh, oh sorry uh, a leak and there was not a charming little elfin boy running around with a sword there was a leak of oil into a major river and there was just like they were warned but like white people would show up to the protest and, like, eat all the food and want to have, like, their hair braided and get a spirit animal or whatever. But they didn't bring any supplies. Like, they didn't help the people at all. They just wanted to come and, like, experience Native culture. Um, Don't forget the terrible mess they left. Yeah. And then, of course, the people who were protesting, they were all blamed for the mess that was left by white people. I could say something there, but I'm not going to. It's kind of interesting, and you see that with a lot of missionary schools. One thing I ran into researching Native American literature is that there's this idea you can't be, and we're going to use the word Indian periodically, first part of this episode, just as fair warning. There were a lot of people taught that you could not be Native American and Christian, and so there is writing that talks about Christianity like its own it's its own race, which it's it's not a race, it's a religion. And there's this big theme in a lot of Native American writers of like, if we want to survive, we have to stop being Indian. Which in their defense at the time, I'm sure it felt like that. Hey guys, this is Sarah from the future. Going through and editing this, uh, it became clear that I should specify that I am not at all talking about every Native American writer. I am talking about Native American writers of the 18 and early 1900s, which was the period of time in which Indian mission schools were the most prevalent, although there still are some mission schools around today. Just wanted to specify that, and I'll let you get back to the, the after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving after show. Because there was a lot of stuff that was really scary going on. Did you find anything about the Carlisle School? I did not. Okay, so. Uh, this is actually really good for Thanksgiving. 
The Carlisle School was another one of these schools that wanted to, now brace yourself for this one, listeners, kill the Indian and save the man. What? Yeah, that's a direct quote. But one thing that the, so like all the guys came and they had all their braids cut off and they were beaten if they spoke in their native language, which is kind of par for course. That's what you expected when you went to an Indian school. But that's that's sort of what you get. But as a way to like build identity, young men at the Carlisle school were taught how to play American football. Football Americano. And they were so good at it that they invented lots of things, such as various trick plays that are still used today. Which, okay, this is the part where I admit I'm a giant book nerd. I live in library stacks. I don't know the name for fancy things in football. They also, Mm. like, you know when the quarterback hawks the ball in, like, the traditional football throw where it's, like, he's holding it over his shoulder and then he moves his arm and it goes forward real good? Yeah. (laughs) That was invented by the Carlisle School! Oh, man. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, and they got so good at playing football that, like, a bunch of really fancy Ivy League schools demanded that they not be allowed to play anymore. Of course. I mean, that's a that's a very white thing to do. Yeah. It's okay if we say it. We're white. Um... <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty true. Yeah. Does it mean we should perpetuate it? I, I'm not perpetuating. Yeah, we're not the ones perpetuating this. Um, I, I do what I can to fight against the white man. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Dying over here. Going with all of this, Thanksgiving is a time that sparks a lot of debate because of the history. There's a lot of things you can look into, and there there are a lot of things that still really do need to be done, and there's a lot of wrongs that do need redressing. I'll be honest, talking about it is really good. I think with the three of us here, we're all pretty like-minded in that we, we can understand these things. And so then one asks the question, what do we do with the holiday of Thanksgiving? I know this year, uh, I don't know if you read into the un-Thanksgiving. What's that? Did anybody read into that? No, I, all I do is work and play with my dog. Okay. Um, Goodbye. Well, I'll I'll be honest, I'll let people look that up at home as I, I am not an expert on what the situation was. So, but there, there's definitely pushback against Thanksgiving. Um, which I understand. No, it's, it's super understandable, but I'm going to equate this to our last holiday, which we all love, which is Halloween. And I think if you really want to say there's some like dark pagan background history to Halloween, you're ignoring a lot of what has caused modern day Halloween to be modern day Halloween, but it's, it's there. Um, and so I think with Thanksgiving, the, the question I will pose is, is it okay to take the positive aspects of what Thanksgiving is? and still celebrate the holiday, while at the same point admitting that what it is originally based on is not very good at all. Yeah, it's, the the two are not mutually exclusive. Word. In a much wider tone, 
here's things to do on Thanksgiving that aren't getting drunk, arguing with family, and watching football. Wait, wait, wait! I haven't had a chance to talk about all the Native American writing and literature and books yet. Oh, you're right. Okay, carry on. Okay, so to start out, like, there are lots of other ancient cultures that had a lot of writing. Sort of the two major cultures when we talk about books and literature in the Americas are the Mayan and the Aztec. Mayans were incredibly prolific at, I suppose I should say the Maya. The people of the Mayan Empire were incredibly prolific at making books. Um, they made them everywhere. You can find them at people reading books and paintings. Uh, there are Spanish records of people who were military leaders making lots of notes in paper. Like, it was just everywhere. Part of this was because they discovered this way to make bark cloth. There's a name for it. I can't quite remember what it is. I think it's like Amade? Something like that. It's really cool. Um, but this paper was so durable, you could actually make clothes out of it. Oh. So, it's super cool. There are some people who still know how to make it today. Um, the Catholic Church and the colonial authorities decided that it was not good that there were lots and lots of Mayan books. And so, they would make piles of these books, some of which are described to be taller than a man, and they were burned. Of course. So, right now... There are, depending on how you define a book, there are either five or six Mayan books remaining. Four of them are part of this bark cloth. Two of them are metal. One's a metal disc, the other's a metal plate uh, that have writing on them. But it's not quite decided whether they are part of separate or the same books. Actually, if you happen to be in California, they used to have the plate part on display at Berkeley. I don't know if they still do. That's something I should look up. Um, it's actually, to be honest, is probably a copy of it because I'm sure they don't want to have like ancient gold on display to the public. That sounds like trouble waiting to happen. But the people of South of America, especially the Aztecs, but the Maya too, were really, really good at metallurgy and really good at making different types of alloys. And so they were able to make, because gold doesn't rust, so they were able to make a gold alloy. So it's soft enough to ride in, but it doesn't rust. Um, so it lasts for a long time. There are lots and lots of examples of Mayan writing. Uh, part of it is because it is, and I'm sorry I'm reading a little bit here, but this is so fascinating. I knew I wouldn't be able to remember it all. Feel free to interrupt me, guys, if you have questions or whatever. So it's not just me lecturing incessantly the story of my life. But Mayan writing, it's, it's called hieroglyphics, but it's more of what's called a logosybilic language, like Japanese, where each picture symbolizes either part or all of a word. Um, luckily, this means that Europeans were not always able to recognize something was writing and not just a pattern. So there's lots of other places where Mayan writing shows up. Um, it shows up sometimes on jewelry, it shows up on wall paintings, it even shows up on um, ceramic pots. Uh, if you are really interested in seeing really amazing examples of Mayan writing, I would encourage you at home to look up Stele, which is spelled S-T-E-L-A-E, 
um, they're either pillars or they're these big flat stones and they have like this mixture of art and writing on it um, as well as sometimes uh, you know kind of really idealized stuff in between so they're really really beautiful in the Aztec culture they had a lot of books they were also burned however just because luck a lot of the old books were copied so we have like a lot of them are called codex we have calendars we have medical texts we have a lot of stuff that could have been destroyed from the Aztec Empire and it's it's lasted really well these hundreds of years because of the dur durability of the the paper the paper is so durable in fact there is yeah. a a volcano in Mexico called the tequila volcano and there is a there's like a series of tombs near that uh called hoitzilapa apologies to everyone who i just made cringe by pronouncing that wrong and they even have like paper that had like notes and stuff that had been like wadded up and thrown in a corner that has been in the tomb and has lasted all this time. Nice. So these Aztec documents are actually are really, really valuable as a sort of Rosetta Stone because as people were recopying the old books before they got destroyed, they use Nahuatl, which is the trade language of the South Central American kingdoms. They used Spanish and Latin, and they used Aztec pictograms. And sometimes they would use all of those at the same time in the same book. And so because of that, they're able to kind of look and see um, where stuff sort of fits. Um, if you want to look at these different codexes... Some really fun codexes to look at are the Florentine Codex and the Badinus Manuscript. And that's spelled B-A-D-I-A-N-U-S. And those are really fun to look into. Just put in Aztec Codex. You can find a lot of this stuff online. Um, but as Thanksgiving is primarily a North American holiday, you know, to kind of focus on there, it's one of these things where... There are very specific sets of symbols used by North American peoples to communicate very, very specific meanings. But any academic you talk to will tell you that there are no Native American peoples that had any written language before the introduction of white missionaries, or I should say European missionaries. There were systems of things like beading, like with wampum belts, where uh -huh. different colors or patterns symbolize different things. There were what are kind of called hunting symbols. Uh, if you've ever played the video game Until Dawn, they reference them. Uh, different symbols were considered to give spiritual protection or warning or even just to be like, Hey guys, this is where my tribe hangs out. Please hang out over there where your tribe lives. Things like that. So it wasn't, you know, necessarily like the word D-O-G dog. It was a symbol that had a very specific meaning. But like, if someone draws you a picture of a dog, you're not going to point at it and go elephant. So, 
Makes sense. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, but there are a lot of Native American languages that are really great. Uh, one of the most common um, attributes of many North American languages is called, now brace yourselves, polysyntheticism. Okay. What this is, is you take a whole bunch of words and you smush them together to make a whole new word. Well, it's stuff like she who sits on the mountain in the rain and never gets a cold. Okay. Or like the act of skinning a deer but doing it really poorly. Like, okay. Like, that's a word. So, you know, the way, like, and I, I kind of hate to compare all this stuff to European stuff all the time, but that's the framework most Americans work with. So, you know how there's this joke about there's a word for everything in German because they just, like, bang words together until something fits? Yeah. Well, most Native American languages have that beat. There are signs that there were types of symbolic writing in many native peoples the only problem is there was a lot of destruction of cultural knowledge for a really long time Mm -hmm. so if there any if there's any sort of thing like that which is definitely not writing according to academia it doesn't necessarily have a translator so even if they found something and said like okay we're going to recognize this as a written language they wouldn't have anybody to ask what it meant. Mm. So that's kind of a problem. One thing that I will say is that pretty soon after white people came over and started getting hoity-toity about alphabets, and a lot of Native people started coming up with their own alphabets. Sequoia, I think, is the most famous because he came up with the Cherokee alphabet. Anywhere you go on a Cherokee reservation, you will see two signs in two languages. Also, there are different writing systems for, like, the Cree and the Fox and the Kickapoo and the Inuit and, you know, all the big tribes. One thing that I do think is super cool, it pains me to say this as an English major. One thing that not even the best of the American academics could squabble over is the brilliant mathematics of the native people. It was something that I kind of ran into again and again, not just in the complex astral mathematics of the people of Central and South America. I think we've all seen that big round Aztec calendar. Was it in 2012 or 2014 that the world was supposed to end? Uh, 12. 12, because the calendar was coming to an end. And so, of course, instead of, like, flipping the calendar over and starting with the next uh, series of events, the world was going to end. But there were really complex sets of, like, decimal systems used by lots and lots of tribes. Part of it, I think, is, I mean, not to make comparisons again, but you think of, like, the abacus, where you have... You know, you move the beads up and down and it helps you do really complex mathematics. Yeah. Um, you know, using even something as simple as as beads or stones. Like if you didn't have anything more complex because you're out on the road doing your thing 
making peace treaties, being real awesome. You could do mathematics real simply. Really advanced series of, of mathematics that a lot of white people came in and were like, what is this? I have notes. I'm reading through them. I'm trying to find... Part of it is I'm, I'm trying to go through all of these old academic texts. Because they start popping up in the 1900s when people are starting to get ready to accept that count two high numbers using algebraic equations. So the Inuit people do complex mathematics by what are called um, hands and feet. The way that they would frame it would describe a mathematic equation. So like other hand two means seven because it's a hand plus two. Okay. And like first foot two means 12 because it's 10 plus two. And other foot two is 17 because it's 10 for the foot plus five for the other foot plus two. So describing numbers, you would have to be able to do mathematics in your head in order to understand what number someone is talking about. And not only that, as part of their description of numbers, they would use square roots and multiplication. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty intense math. Yeah, like this is my favorite one. 40 is two sets of animal paws. So when you're talking about two sets of animal paws, what you have to do is say two times 10 times four. I mean, two times, yeah, two times 10. That's what I meant to say. I'm an English major. I am not good at math. Right on. And then you have the hiatus people who get into multiplication by 20s. So instead of having a basis of 10, they had a basis of 20. And so all of the multiplication gets real big. And so if you have an interest in language and you have an interest in mathematics, I would encourage you to look into the Pawnee language into the Inuit language um, and into it because it's crazy and amazing and like I don't know I was reading through this mathematical journal trying to understand what's happening like I'm looking through this thing and so yeah like if you're interested in Native American culture and you're able to like look at math and understand things I think it would be fun for you to look at also, though, before we finish talking about literature, I have to talk real quick about Yellowbird or John Roland Ridge, depending on which name you want to use, and his novel, The Life and Adventures of Joaquin Moretta. Um, it was published in 1854. Uh, uh, it is the first uh, book, or I should say the first novel published in California, um, which is very, very exciting. Uh, it is also one of the most pirated novels in U.S. history. Uh, back in the day, uh, you didn't have movies to pirate. What you had instead were 
books. And so people would frequently copy books um, and reprint them and then sell those, sometimes without even bothering to try to hide what they had done. Um, so I thought that was interesting and worth noting. Shout out to John Ridge and I guess Joaquin. Alright, so now that I have finished giving myself a headache trying to figure out Inuit algebra, let's yeah. talk about all the fun stuff that we can do over our Thanksgiving and Christmas and winter breaks. Perfect. So, big one is uh, always catching up on, on the films that you need to see. There are so many of them, though. And they're so good. They're so good. Uh, so, I think this time of year, I think people are kind of in this weird spot where they don't necessarily want to start celebrating Christmas yet. Mm-hmm. But you also are kind of like, I don't know, it's, just, it's kind of a weird time of year for things that you like. Yeah, because Christmas is such a mood. Yeah, so I definitely think that that is, uh, I don't know, just fascinating, fascinating stuff. But um, I think if you have a long uh, a long time off, uh, there's always some good series that you can watch or get into. Um, let me think of a, a good thing to start here. To me, when I think of Thanksgiving... Really, any of those holidays, I think of the Twilight Zone. Oh, yes. It's it's not been as popular in the last couple years, but like 4th of July, New Year's Eve, and Thanksgiving used to mean the one day of the year where they did nothing but play the Twilight Zone on Sci-Fi Channel. Back when it was spelled without any Ys, before it hit its angsty teenage years and started producing movies about sharks that had had improbable offspring with various sea life yeah not good but yeah so i like to think of the twilight zone and hey you know that's four seasons of 20 episodes plus a season ranging from 20 minutes to 45 minutes depending on the season huh. and uh that is uh it's it's very it's very good media for time off because you get to actually like ingest it like it's not just popcorn stuffing video like the twilight zone is not something you can really throw on in the background like that is forefront media not that there's anything wrong with popcorn tv uh speaking speaking of shows you can watch and talk about together without wanting to kill your aunts and uncles and with an e on netflix is really amazingly good like i was not prepared for how gritty it is yeah that was not a preparation i had made but production quality is exquisite nice uh a good one for this holiday season um you'll have to make it past 20 minutes of awfulness but uh coco was a very good film Super solid. It looks beautiful. Twenty minutes were awful. I'm not saying Coco was bad. It just preceded by a twenty-minute Frozen short. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah. That was just not very good. 
Yeah, I, I feel like the frozen cow is just about given all the quality milk it can provide. It gave all of its quality milk before they even put the actual film into production. Anyway, that's... Uh. Uh, but no, it, it was a really good film. It looked beautiful. Great acting uh, from the voice actors. Like, great design. Speaking of Coco, if you are into retro gaming, uh, this game will take you a while, um, and you can actually get it pretty cheap online now, is uh, Grim Fandango by LucasArts. Ooh. Do you ever, uh, have you ever played that one? No, but I'm familiar with LucasArts video games. So Grim Fandango, you play Manny Calvera, and it is it takes place, it's similar to Coco in that it focuses a lot on Day of the Dead. And uh, the idea is Manny Calvera is a travel agent that when people die, depending on how they live their life, uh, they can get different forms of uh, transportation to the afterlife. So like if you were awful, you get a stick and you get to walk. If you were really good, you get like these nice tickets to like a very luxurious passenger train. And he starts to realize that there are people that are getting these tickets that just don't seem to deserve them. And so it turns into this very, like, fantical noir storyline where Manny has to uncover what's going on. Uh, speaking of noir, if you are driving to or from some place, I have two suggestions for you. The first, we mentioned earlier, is The Shadow, voiced by none other than Orson Welles. He has the magical ability to hypnotize people into thinking he is invisible. And so if you are willing to wear those uh, belief suspenders, uh, it's, it's pretty good. I will say there are some episodes that have some pretty dark tones. Um, it, it can get a bit intense, but it's very interesting. If you're looking for something a little bit lighter, I would suggest my very favorite radio show, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. It is about an insurance investigator who's freelance, and so he always gets called to the cases where someone's being shot at or someone's been very definitely murdered. And so because of that, he gets to put whatever he wants on his expensive. And so because of that, he gets to put whatever he wants on his expense account. And boy, does he do that. And he does everything from uh, wrestling down deranged killers to babysitting a pig at a county fair. And there are approximately four million episodes. And so you can find whatever you want. Nice. Um, so... Since we're taking this time, we're just going to talk about one or two more topical suggestions. Uh, Halloween is over, but if you're ever into something creepy, uh, Stranger Things Seasons 2 was a, a solid follow-up to the first season. Solid there. So uh, always recommend that for people. Music-wise, um, sadly... This has not been the greatest year for albums, but there have been some uh, some some quality musics coming out. Do you have any off the top of your head, Sarah? Um, I know. Sleeping at last came out with an album called Atlas. It's quite a few years old, but it's really really good. Um, I would also suggest Until the Ribbon Breaks. 
uh, it's kind of like I don't even I'm really bad at music I'm not a music person but I would kind of describe it as cosmic soft rock hmm. so it's not seal talking about kissing roses which no offense to roses kissing or seal all three of those things are amazing um but it's not that song on on repeat while delilah shout out to delilah talks to you about your love life um like it's it's got really meaningful lyrics and it's very interesting and I find, like, I know you're supposed to listen to the whole album as a whole and let it tell its story, but maybe I just haven't been listening to the right albums, but a lot of the albums I listened to before, even good albums, I wasn't interested in them as albums. But until the ribbon breaks, I only like to listen to as an album. It is fantastic. Right on. Um, there, there's some good stuff, like, and it's, it's getting harder to find good albums. Um, so here's a strange album and sadly it's not streaming. So you'll have to either go to YouTube cause you can hear some of the songs there or just buy a copy of the album from Amazon. Um, did you see Scott Pilgrim versus the world? Of course I did. What are you talking about? Jumping out the window. Smoothest thing ever. Yeah. Shout so, out to jumping out the, of windows. The girl that plays Ramona flowers. Uh huh. Um, she hey, made, uh, yeah, I can never remember her name. May Whitman, okay. But she made an album with the producer, uh, Dan the Automator, and they are a band that is known as Gotta Girl, G-O-T-A-G-I-R-L. And their thing is they make music in the style of uh, 1960s French pop music. Oh, cool. And so really good album. It's called I Love You, But I Must Drive Myself Off This Cliff. And it's uh it's super solid, solid music. So if anyone's interested in discovering some new music, that's uh that would be my my recommendation is Got a Girl. They're they're one and only album so far. Hopefully they'll do another. Um Yeah, that that sounds like a whole lot of fun. I need to look into that. Like there's I had this discussion with someone, shout out to someone, about how a lot of albums have kind of gone milder and milder like I love the lyrics of the mountain goats and I recognize that they're a really good band and there are some songs that they have that I I just can listen to on repeat for hours but a lot of their music I try to put on and listen to and it sounds like they're strumming the same two strings and singing the same two notes for three minutes and it doesn't matter how good the lyrics are I can't do the thing which is not to say that their songs are not brilliant. Um, and if you don't mind that, um, I will admit that I am not neurotypical. My brain does not work in a normal way. Songs that are like that don't work for me. But they might mm -hmm. work for you and they're worth looking into. Yeah, and also, like, this is very pop culture. Kesha's new album is really amazing. Like, it's really great. And Dolly Parton's on it, and I love Dolly Parton. Shout out to Dolly Parton. Speaking of new albums, Morrissey's new album came out a week ago. Uh, I have feelings about Morrissey. It's it's uh, the first the the first half of the album is, I would say like if you like Morrissey's music, you'll really like the first half of the album. 
if you're not a big fan of Morrissey, he, he's not really a middle ground type of person. Either you enjoy the music or like you hate Morrissey with a passion. Yeah. It's but so that album um, that just came out. So anyone there? So interesting. Um, not his best lyrically. If you uh, go into there, but whole different story. And then there was another new album that I would recommend, but I cannot remember it at the moment. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, and just to round us out, in case you like to read, I have a couple suggestions. There is a book that's been out for a little while called Blink. It is about human perception and what we do with it. It's a really quick read. Like, it's really quick to go through. But it's really interesting, and it will change the way that you look at the world. I would also suggest, if you have had a really stressful holiday, get into some low-key Buddhism and read some Winnie the Pooh. Good times. Well, everybody, happy... Thanksgiving for those that celebrate Thanksgiving for those that don't celebrate Thanksgiving welcome to winter welcome to winter have fun yep but you will hear from us soon yes we are keeping up with our regular shows pretty much right now we're going through what is called a production period and that means that some of the shows that you know and love might have slowed on production as we prepare for the coming year or I guess season if you want to be studio about it and so thank you for your patience we are a small operation we're trying our best we're getting there Um, and so of course the after show show is produced by Noctuanet and is copyright to it Noctuanet is at the crossroads of creativity and nostalgia that crossroads where the two of them have run off into the night to meet, tell romantic poetry to each other, and then run away to live happily ever after. And we hope that the rest of your November is a happily ever after, too. We'll see you next month. See ya!